How are we doing this morning? Good. If you have your Bibles, grab those. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we'll be. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, before we kind of jump in and get going, I just want to brag uh, on a few things. One, you'll see all these pillows laying around. Um, it's for those of you that get sleepy during service. We're trying this new... Ma- I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, no, we're going uh, gonna to donate those pillows to uh, a ministry in the area called P.S. I Love You. Uh, that just helps out with um, uh, f- families who uh, foster, who uh, end, end up kind of being like a in-between uh, as, as kids are taken, uh, taken out of the home, things like that. And so our women here who, uh, and again, I mean, men can do it. You know how it is to be women that can sew. I mean, if you're a man sewer, that is awesome. I can barely tie my shoes, so you'd have a lot of work to have to put into me to invest into that ministry um, for me to, maybe, maybe hey. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming one day. So, um, but see Miss Charlotte right here. She would love to get you plugged up with that ministry. Um, but they have graciously made 50 pillowcases. And so we're going we're gonna to take those down to them in the next uh, couple weeks and, um, and just pray for their ministry and try to encourage them. Uh, and then, man, what a day yesterday. Gosh, y'all. Like, I, um, I, th- these are just a few pictures. Don't, don't like, hold me, hold me to it. And no kids were injured while climbing on the bus to wash it. I mean... Yeah, if, if I had the opportunity to jump on a bus and wash it, I mean, I would, as a kid, do that too. But they did wash it. They really did. Um, they are washing it. I mean, we got mulch going everywhere. I mean, it, it was a great day. Um, Kyle was our hero. Shout out to you. Getting a bobcat. Um, and just to show you how much of a hero he was, there's a little guy in the bobcat. Um, mulching, all that good stuff. Uh, oh, let me bring it back. Oh, I've lost it. But um, anyway, so it was a... There we go. Another, another bobcat picture, some mulch spreading. I mean, they, they, they cleaned up the place inside, did so much. We've got some things uh, hung in the back for the after school, for book bags. I mean, just, just a number of things that happened yesterday and took place yesterday. And I am so, so grateful to call this place home, to uh, and have a church family that, that cares for, for this place and loves this place. Um, and uh, the reason for that is because we, be, we just want to be uh, a place of hope in the community. We, we, we want to live out what it means to be uh, followers of Christ and to live out Jesus in our community. And we just want this to always be a welcoming, inviting uh, place. And, man, y'all, y'all rocked it yesterday. And I am so, so grateful, so grateful for your, um, and just your service, just your, your willingness to come and, and give of your time and your morning and to spread mulch and to um, supervise me. My wife is greatly appreciative of that, that uh, I didn't hurt anybody or hurt myself. So um, she's always grateful for that. So just always want to just brag on you guys and thank you so much. Um, definitely, definitely excited to see what God's got in store for us as we continue just to seek after him. And so uh, this week we are uh, in Ephesians chapter four, uh, and there were so many good, so many good scriptures to pull from to get uh, to go at this week to just really dive into and just let God's word kind of just uh, work us over and just shape us and mold us. And um, man, I just it was a struggle. So we're we're reading through the New Testament as a church, which started back uh, in August when school started, August September, and so we will uh, start to wind down over the next few weeks as we approach Easter and. Uh, so I just pick a scripture, kind of pray through and read and look and see where God would have, uh, have me go each week. And so this week is going to be Ephesians 4. Um, and so it was just hard to just land in one spot as there were so many just, just good like scriptures as we looked at uh, Ephesians, as we looked at Philippians, as we looked um, there at the start of, of, of the letter to Timothy. And so I uh, landed here, and I landed here because I believe uh, this will be kind of like a good segue into this week and next week of, uh, of just talking about the church. 
So today we're going to talk about and look at the church and how uh, we're to be and to function with one another and just in our world and uh, what that looks like and what that means as Paul uh, gives this command here in uh, the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And, uh, and then next week we're going to look at how, how the church is structured, what that means and, and why and kind of dive and, and work, through, uh, work through some of that. And so uh, just as I was reading and studying, man, this picture of the church has always been on my heart what the church should be like, how she should function, how she should live. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about a building. Like, I'm talking about the believers. Like, I'm talking about the bride of Christ, the, the people of God. That, that's what I'm talking about. And, and more specifically even today is, is how we as the local, uh, this local congregation of New Life Baptist Fellowship, how, how we're to be, what we're to, to do and how we're to live and how we're to, uh, uh, to relate to one another and how we're to live even out our faith in uh, this world. And so uh, this morning... The big idea, the big thought, two, two things. The first thing is, is simply going to be this. We're going to see the command for the church. Paul's going to give a command to the believers there in Ephesus, which I also believe uh, follows down even to our day, a command for us to live and to follow out and to be. And, and then we're also going to see how to do that. How do we live that out? How do we make this, this happen? How do we uh, live out that uh, command that he gives to walk in a manner worthy of your calling? And then he gives some different uh, uh, things there that we're to do or, or ways to, to live out and to be. And so humility, gentleness, patience, bearing uh, with one another in love, being unified uh, in the spirit for peace, all of those things is what helps us live out the command that he's going to give. And, and I'm just here to tell you that those things are impossible to do unless you've got the Holy Spirit in you. It's impossible to please God in a way and honor him in a way if we don't have the Holy Spirit living and active in us. And the only way to have that is to be a part of his body, to be a part of his church, to be a believer in him. And so, so for me, I just want to start out by saying, man, I love the church. I absolutely love the church, even in the beautiful mess that she's in. And there's times where it seems like she's doing great, and there's times where it seems like she's not. And the thing that we need to remember is that we're all in process. Because when I say I love the church, I don't love this building. I don't love the name on it. I, I love the fact and the reality of what the church is. The church is the men and women of God. The bride, the body, that's what the church is. And, and the thing that we need to understand is that the church, even uh, in, in her, her mess sometimes, is an idea of the Lord. This isn't just something that was created and made just for the heck of it, but there's intentionality and purpose, and it, and it comes directly from the heart of God. The church is his idea. The church is his heart. The church is his love. And we've been invited in to be a part of that. And so there, there are struggles, there are issues, there are hurts, there are hangups. There's all kinds of things that, that comes with being a part of the church. But even in that mess, I believe that if we live out and walk out what we see in today's scripture... I mean, we can work through that. We can fight through that. And we can be a part of something that's so much greater than we could ever, ever imagine. So as, as I, was, I was reading and studying this week, and as I was reading and studying, came across a little story, uh, which is one that's very, uh, one that I can relate to. And so um, it was a story of a small group leader. And the small group leader, as he's in his small group that he's leading, and uh, they've come to a time of prayer, and uh, some random uh, person in his group begins to pray, kind of a newer person in the group begins to pray, and, and the person starts out with, Lord, I just, I just want to pray for Bobby right now. And so the small group leader is kind of like confused, like, Bobby? His head's bowed, his eyes are closed. He's thinking, Bobby, who is Bobby in our group? 
And he begins to just kind of rack his brain and try to figure out as he, in his mind, goes through the, the circle there and trying to figure out who, who, who is Bobby. He's rehearsing the names. No, no. And, and going around the circle. And, and, and as he's going around the circle, the guy continues to pray. And after a few moments, uh, he realizes that, that the prayer needs that Bobby has is very, very similar to the prayer needs that the small group leader has. And then it finally hits him that, that he is the Bobby the guy's praying for. And the problem is his name's not Bobby. He, he, that's not him. But the guy in the group thought that that was the small group leader's name, that that was him. And so I tell that story to say this, that anybody who has ever been a part of the Christian community, for as long as you've been a part, you can probably testify some awkward, weird moments, right? Difficult moments like that of where somebody maybe calls you by the wrong name, somebody maybe uh, says something that, that's, that's uh, not, you don't quite understand, don't quite get, just, just the, the, the craziness that comes with that. Because the moment, hear me church, the moment that you invest your life in, the moment that you go deep in the church, you surround yourself with people who can, who can at times just wear on your nerves. Who can aggravate you, who can frustrate, who can, uh, people like this, people who can kind of clap off beat during the music. People who, uh, who say that, man, we should get together and then they forget to get together with you. People who say things that we should go do something and they forget to do something. People who call you by the wrong name. And so for, for most of us, we can probably work through and we can get through, laugh off those trivial frustrations like that. But the real trouble comes when the little things become daunting and tiresome. That's when the real troubles come. And it happens, Right? Because if you get involved in any way, if you get uh, involved any, any how within the church, people are going to rub you the wrong way. People are going to say things that they didn't mean to say like that, or they're going to live out things or do things. And I don't do this to try to, to beat us down, to try to like, oh my gosh, what are we going to be a part of here? No, I'm just saying that if we do life right, it's going to happen. If we live life right, connected to one another, involved, doing, it's going to happen. People's got little ticks. People's got little things. Things happen. So if you remain long enough in Christian community, you're going to find yourself in those situations, in those circumstances. Things are going to happen, are going to come up. You may get entangled in the pettiest of conflicts or even, even worse. And, and what I would say is this, is, is that if, you, if, you, if the body of new life does not challenge your patience, then you may not be close enough to the body. If the body, if, if the people here at New Life don't challenge your patience, then maybe you're not doing it right, not living it right, not, not fully in like, like God would want us to be. Because what I know is this, is that I aggravate you. I do. I mean, I'm just, because I'm me. And I've got aggravating tendencies. I know that. But let me let you in a little secret. You aggravate me too. Church, we can be honest, right? But I love the aggravation. Not really, but kind of. What I love about the aggravation is this, is that, man, we're committed and we're in it. We're committed and we're in it, and we're going to do life together, and we're going to care for one another, and, and we're going to pray for one another, and we're going to fight through. My goal and my heart and my hope is that we fight through that stuff, is, is that we do life in a way that honors God, and that we, we fight through in a good way, that we talk through, that we do whatever is necessary, whatever is necessary. And so, so my plea and my hope is that you allow yourself to get close enough. Allow yourself to, to open up and be vulnerable. Allow yourself to, to dive in. And, and I'm just telling you, I, it's a warning more so than anything else because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. People are people. And I know that because I'm a people. 
and we do things. We, we do things that, I don't know why we do things. We just do things. Because we're broken. We're sinful. We get selfish. All kinds of different reasons why we do that. And so we're going to aggravate. We're going to agitate. And I know it's hard to believe, but even good, sweet, wholesome, nice, holy, safe church folk do that. It happens. And so I know this to be true. And I know that, that, that in that, that God will work and God will do. I don't know the picture that you have in your minds of the church, this nice, neat, pristine, well-mannered, everyone put together, thinking of everyone else first, everybody's kids well-behaved, living out life, yes or no, sir, everything running smooth and, and well-organized and, and everything else that goes on that list. Just want to let you know that it's unrealistic because we're a part of it. And in that, we bring the mess of who we are with it. We bring the mess of who we are with it. But, but what Paul is going to command, what Paul is going to tell us this morning, what he's going to show us, what we're going to see in his word, is a way for us to fight through and work through. And, and when we do that, man, what the church can be. Man, what the church can do. Kind of, kind of like what we saw yesterday. Come together to take care of this place in such a way. Kind of like what we see with this ministry here. We take up pillows while so we can serve the community and, and serving the least of these and serving the orphans and the widows. Uh, while we can come together and we can, we can do different things like that to impact the world with the gospel to take the good news of Jesus, to serve, to care for, to love. So we can do things like that. When we live out and we be and we are connected to Christ like he calls us to be. Man, what God can accomplish in us and through us. I'm just here to tell you there's no perfect churches. No perfect church. And, and the reason why I know that is because whatever church you go to, I go to, we're bringing our stuff with us and we're going to cause and we're going to mess up. But it's God's grace and God's mercy that even covers that and does a work. And when we learn to function and live and be and do life together in such a way that honors him, man, what he can accomplish and do. And so that's what we're going to see here. This is Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And this, this is his church here. And what he says up to this point about his church is that, it, is that the church is the father's chosen, we're God's chosen children. Uh, we're the body, we're the bride of Christ. Uh, we're the place where the spirit dwells. He's, he said those type of things in the book of Ephesians. And then we come to this command here for the church in Ephesians 4, uh, 1 through 3. Join me as we pray, and then we'll jump in. Father, we love you. We need you. God, I can imagine in a room like this, the church hurt, the aggravation, the frustration, the heartache. And so, Father, I just pray that this morning would be a time of healing, a, a time of assurance, Father, a time of reminding of, of how good and great you are. And God, God, God this is your, the church is your idea. It's your heart. It's your bride, Father. And, Father, the beautiful thing is that you've invited us in to be a part of that. You've saved us and rescued us to be a part of that. And so, Father, I pray that, that we this morning would, would hear what you have to say. Father, own what we need to own. Repent of what we need to repent of. Walk in glad obedience to whatever that looks like or whatever that means. And, Father, that you would do work in this place. God, if there's a heart here that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray, God, that you would save and rescue. Father, do a work in this place. You are welcome to do as you see fit. This is your church, your people, your bride. Father, we thank you for this time to gather. And then we pray. Amen. So Ephesians 4.1, this is what it says. It says, therefore, and I always just want us to be good scholars of the word, so when therefore is there, we need to go back and see why it's therefore. So he's, he's summing up a thought. He's bringing, uh, bringing kind of to a, to a, uh, to a close and to getting ready to jump into. And so uh, what we know happened in Ephesians 3 is that, that uh, Paul has just prayed for spiritual strength. And then he closes with this. It'll be on the screen right here. He closes with this in Ephesians 3.20. Look at what he says. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power uh, at work within us. I want to read that again. Listen, just listen to what it says. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. 
Who's to him? Him here is God. Him here is the work of the Holy Spirit. To, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. You see what Paul just said there? Did you catch what he's, what he's telling the believers here at Ephesus? We can do far more than anything we ask for. We can do far more than anything we could dream of because of the one that's at work within us. Who's work within us? The Holy Spirit. God is at work within us. And so uh, uh, we, I think we just, we don't dream enough. We don't believe enough. We don't, uh, uh, we don't pray and seek enough. We don't ask enough. We don't, uh, uh, we don't, we don't, I think we like to play it safe too often as the church. And what I love about a verse like this, and this is, hear me, this isn't like this crazy, like, like prosperity gospel type junk. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, what I'm talking about is that, is that we like to just pray these little prayers to try to, so we don't want God to fail. That's what we think. And hear me, God's not going to fail. We can't show God up. We can't mess God up. We can't cause God to struggle. It doesn't work that way. I mean, he is God and he's in control and he is more than able. But what I love about this is that it reminds us of that. Paul reminds the church that he is able to do far more abundantly than we can even dream or think of. Far more abundantly than we can even imagine. And so I guess my question would be, is what are you trusting him for? What are you walking in? What are you believing him for? What are you pressing into him for? What is preventing you from going before him and asking to work and move and do? Maybe in your job, maybe in someone else's life, maybe a salvation to a family member. And then look at, look at why. Look at why he does this, able to do far more abundantly. Look at why. It says in verse 21, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what Paul tells us here is that, is that the beginning of chapter 4 is centered around this desire here as we see in verse 21. For God to be glorified. How? In the church. For us to bring God glory and honor and praise in our world. That's the desire. That's why he is he's able to do far more. And he does far more than we could ever think or imagine. According to the power that's at work within us, God gets glory and honor in the church. And how in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, that's the desire in the heart. So you and I are a part. We're here. We're part of the family of God because of what he's done in the past through the church. Because of who we saved, because of, of how he's worked and how he's done throughout the years. We are here as a result of the early church back in the book of Acts. It, it works. It, it happens. God does. And that's what we see taking place here. And that's, that's where Paul goes from that to this. He says, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord there in verse 104. A prisoner of the Lord. See, Paul here is just reminding the Ephesians and even us that, that he is owned by Christ. That he isn't owned somebody. That he is a prisoner. That he belongs to. He is under the authority and the direction of Jesus. That, that Paul submits his will, his desires, his longings to that of Christ. See, all of his life always is dictated by what? His master. He's a slave. He's, he's a prisoner. He uses those, ty those type of words to describe his relationship to Christ. He's under the control and the authority of Jesus. Everything that he does is dictated by what his master would have him do. That's the way that Paul lives his life. And then he gets us to the command here in verse 1. This is the command. This is what he says. Paul, a prisoner of the Lord. And hear me, if you are in Christ, you are a prisoner of the Lord too. You belong to Jesus. He has purchased you. He has redeemed you. That's the verbiage that we see in the scriptures. And if you're saved, you belong to Christ. You have given your body, you've given your, your thoughts, you've given your actions, you've given everything, you've handed everything over to him to be in control of. You have made him Lord of your life. It's not just a salvation thing, but it's a Lord thing as well. 
It's not just a get out of hell free card, but it's a, hey, I am under total control of God. Whatever he wants to do, whatever he wants, however he wants to act, live out, wherever he wants to send me, whatever he wants to do in my life, I belong to him. I am a prisoner of the Lord. And then the command, urge you as a prisoner of the Lord, he urges you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I love it like the verbiage here in the original language would, would kind of lead to this, having the weight of another thing. What, what, what Paul is saying as a, as a prisoner of the Lord, man, you're worthy of the calling. You need to walk in a manner, live in a manner, live it out, be in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. There's this weight of another thing on you as a, as a prisoner of the Lord. There's this weight that is pressing down. And hear me, it's not a weight that weighs us down, that wears us out, that, uh, uh, that, that, that upsets us, but it's a weight that brings about life. It's a, it's a weight that brings about um, um, excitement. It's a weight that, that, that brings about a, a work of God in us. We have this weight of another thing on us, and this weight of another thing on us is this calling that God's put in our life to live Him out and to be. To live in a manner worthy is what he says. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling. That weight that is on you. So what Paul is pressing the believers here in Ephesus to see is that the Christian life they live matches the profession that they've made. It's not okay to say that you're a believer and then not live like a believer. That's what he's pressing them on. Church, that does more damage for us than it does anything else. For me to say that I'm a Christian, for me to say that I'm a believer, for me to say that I belong to Jesus and live anti-Jesus, that hurts and damages. It damages our witness. It damages our influence. It damages our community. And what Paul is reminding them to live out what you profess. People are to see that they practice what they preach. That their works measures up to their profession. So for me as a believer, for you as a believer, there are just certain things that we don't do. Why? Because we belong to Jesus. And it doesn't honor Jesus. It doesn't make much of Jesus. It doesn't bring glory to Jesus. Because I belong to him and I'm his. Because I profess that I belong to him. And as a result of it, I'm going to live like him. You, you want to know what to do, how to act, how to react, how to be? Look in the scriptures and how Jesus did it. We're to do that. And hear me, we can't do that unless he's living in us. We can't be good, just good moral people. It's exhausting and it wears that we can't be just good religious people. That's exhausting. I don't want religion. Religion is awful. Religion is no, don't do this, don't do this. Don't. There's no do's in religion. It's all about just let's control, let's change our behavior, let's modify it, let's, let's be like this, let's, let, let's work this over, let's make sure you, you look a certain way, act a certain way, talk a certain way. Well, the reason why I do that is because he's in me. And as a result of him being in me, changing and shaping and molding me, now I'm going to act like that. I'm going to talk like that. I'm going to react like that. Now, hear me. There's times where Scott wants to kind of like trump the, the Jesus thing. He just wants to be Scott for a minute. And he reminds me really, really quickly. No, 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 no. Uh -uh, son, I bought you with a price. And the price that I paid is the greatest price there is. You belong to me. Act and live and be like me. And the thing I love about that, man, if, if, if I live that way, like, like, do you remember as a kid, like, whenever you did something you shouldn't, and you tried to, like, cover it up and hide it? I mean, kids are dumb, aren't they? You laugh because you're true. They are. They're, they're just, they're dumb. And, and, and the way that they try to hide things or conceal things or do things or, and, and they try to cover it up and they try to, like, we don't know, you know? Like, like, like what, the reason why we know is because we did it too. 
And they're just not good at it. Thank God they're not good at it. You know what I'm saying? And thank God that they've got eyes on them everywhere. And, and we just like live in that tattletale like time, which don't stop. Like I want to know. You hear me? Like, like help me, help my kids. Help, uh, anyways. So, but, but I, just, I, I just think living the Christian life, man, I don't have to worry about. I don't have to worry about. I don't have to worry about getting caught. I don't have to worry about trying to make sure I get my story straight. I don't have to worry about trying to manipulate. I don't have to try, worry about, trying, I mean, how do I react in this situation or circumstance? Be- because I know. I, I know. And, and though there's a battle within in my heart uh, of the Scott part and the God part, the flesh is what the scriptures teach. Though there's that battle, man, that, man I lose it every time to that of the Lord. Because I know that's the best way to live. I know that it's not weighty. I don't have to worry about getting caught. I don't have to worry about... I don't have to worry about all that stuff that comes from it. If I just live him out, be him, let him control and dictate everything I say and do. I mean, I mean yeah, there's going to be persecution. There's going to be stuff that comes. I mean, it's stuff that's going to bring, bring life because I know that I've lived in him and done what he's called me to do and be. And that's the drum. That's what Paul is saying. That's the drum that he's beating on. And, and it's a drum that I'm going to beat all the time. It's a drum that, that I say, a drum that I bang on all the time. Is this, as believers, we don't ever disconnect to take time off of following, pursuing, loving, and obeying Jesus. There's, there's never a moment when we disconnect. You got vacation next month. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're still Christian when you're on vacation. Well, I go to work on Monday, and if you just knew my situation, yeah, you go to work as a Christian on Monday, and you live out Jesus on Monday in your work spot. You're, you're going to leave this place. And like, we don't like, we don't hang the Christian code up when we walk out of this place. No, no, that's, that's when we finally get to like start living it out even more so as we, as we go into the world that's considered to be dark and lost and in need of hope. Man, man, we get to live that out and we get to be that. Like, like I never disconnect, never disconnect from being a follower of Jesus. So if you coach a team, if you work at your job, if you're in the school system, if you, if you bag groceries, whatever it is that you do while you're at school, whatever it is that you do, as a follower of Christ, as a part of his church, then you never disconnect. You never take time off. Never take time off. And then this is what Paul's going to do. He's going to go deeper here. He's going to press in even more. That's the command and what he's called us to do. And then he's going to take us even deeper in what this Christian community looks like, what it looks like, what it means. And I just want to point your mind, I just want to point you back to the fact of remember the one who is at work in us to help us with this. Remember that. Because it's a daunting, daunting task if we try to do it ourselves. Daunting task. We can't. We can't. But he who is in us can. Look at what he says. And then he says this. So that's the command. Live in a manner worthy of your calling. And then this is how you do it. With all humility. What is humility? Humility simply means this. It's putting Christ first, other second, and self-last. Dang, that's tough in this world, is it not? In this, in this day and age that we live in, I mean, it, it, that's one of the most difficult things to do is to live a life of humility. Putting Christ first, others second, self-last. It, it, it means this. It means knowing ourselves, accepting ourselves, and being ourselves to the glory of God. Because hear me, God does not want us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But on the flip side of that, he doesn't want us to think less highly of ourselves than we ought to either. It's almost like just in that middle ground is where we need to be. His great name, how can I love and serve others? Oh yeah, by the way, here I am. That's the mentality, that's the thought. We're to, we're, to, we're to live this out, we're to be with all humility, humble. Humble is what we're to be. It's really what it is that carries with it this thought of others focused. 
right? Especially in a day and age where it's all about me, 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 my, 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 what do I like, what do I want, what do I get, how can I get ahead, how can I earn, how can I be? It's, it's, it's living humbly and understanding and knowing, I mean, it's God first. He always gets all the glory and honor. Oh, and by the way, how, how can I serve someone else? How can I care for someone else? How can I celebrate someone else? And then I'll bring up the rear. The next thing we see here is this, is gentleness. Gentleness is just another word for meekness, and meekness is just power under control. That's what it is. This is the way we live, in all humility and then in gentleness. Gentleness is just power under control. That's what it is. And so this is the opposite of self-assertion. This is the opposite of, of rudeness, of harshness. It, it suggests one's having, having one's emotions under control, but it's not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. That's not what it is. Meekness is just power under control. See, the picture and the image in the scriptures, when you see the word meekness, when you see gentleness, when you see those type of things, is, is a picture of a horse. And this big mammoth of a horse, muscles can run fast, it's powerful, and just a, just a majestic beast it is. And it can do whatever it wants to do whenever it wants to do it. But when you put a bit in that horse's mouth and you put a rider on its back, though it is capable and able of doing a ton of things, it is under subjection to that little bit and that rider on its back. Though it is able and capable of going fast, being strong, doing whatever it wants to do, it has submitted itself to the authority of the one over it. It has submitted itself. That's what, that's what gentleness, that's what meekness is. And then the third thing we see here is this, is, is patience. Patience is just the ability the ability to endure discomfort without fighting back. Which I'm pretty sure we probably all struggle with. Patience. The way we live in a, worthy, in a manner worthy of our calling is, is these here. Patience being one of those things. You, you, you want to you know what, what patience is? Try driving down Old Furnace Road when they're working on it at 2 o'clock in the day. Yeah, that'll test it. That, that'll get it. Try, try, try being in that traffic for a minute. And, and, and like, you're, you're right. You can, I can see the sign. I just need to cut in, man. I just need to, come on. Like, just scoot, the dude in front of me, just scoot up. Just, we, we got this. You got this. Gas on the right, brake on the left. Come on, man. You can do it. You've got it. See, patience is the ability to endure that discomfort without saying a word, without fighting back, without getting your way, without, without going against See, this is the spirit here that, that, that never gives up for it endures to the end, even in times of adversity is what James 5.10 tells us. It's the self-restraint. That's what patience is. Self-restraint. Man, I want to respond this way. I want to go this way. I want to do this. I want to say this. I want to act this way. But I'm just going to breathe and I'm not. I'm going to render it to the Lord. I'm not going to go harshly at, even though or retaliate against the wrong. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to allow him. I'm just going to be in the moment with self-restraint and understand that God's doing something in me in this moment. He's hit a nerve. He's, he's done something that's caused me uh, uh, to, to want to react in a certain way. But with patience, I'm going to hand it over to him. And I'm going to show self-restraint. And then he goes on to say in this, says, bearing with one another in love. See, a better rendering here of, of, at the end of verse 2 would be this. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Because that's the way we're to live. That's the way we're to be. That's the way we're to interact with one another. That's the way we're to care for one another. And live this out, this command, walking in a manner worthy of our calling. We make allowance for each other's faults because of, because of our love. 
first and foremost, because we know what love is, because we've experienced it through the cross of Christ. And then secondly, as a result of that, we're going we're gonna to make allowance for other people's faults. We're going to give space. We're going to give place. We're going to allow that. Why? Because we know what love is. We've tasted, we've seen, we've walked in. We know that. And I'm not talking about this like love that just turns a blind eye and just lets uh, everybody just do whatever they want to do and it's okay. And it, no, no, that's not love. No, no, love, there is a standard with love. There is an expectation with love. There, 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 is, there is those things that, that accompanies and comes with love. But, but love here means that, that, that I'm going to endure and I'm going to go the distance and I'm going to be committed to. Why? Because that's how Christ has been with me and I've seen that and as a result of, I'm going to do that with you. That's what he's calling us into, church, is to bear with one another in love, to, to make allowance for each other's faults because of what Christ has done for us, to live that out and to be that. And really what this does, it just refers back to the exhortation for, uh, for believers to lead a life worthy of their calling. That's what it is. That's what he's going back to. That's what he's saying. See, this is a calling for the church, which is in this day. Just get a picture of what the church is like in this day. I mean, you think it's a struggle today in 2023. Like, like, let's get our minds around for a second the, the, the people that Paul's writing to. Because what you have is you have believing Jews and you have believing Gentiles who once hated each other. The Jewish people couldn't stand the Gentile people. Why? Because they were defiled. They were half-breeds. They were, they were dirty. They were wrong. They were bad. They, they wanted nothing to do with them. And what did the cross do? What did the resurrection of Jesus do? It gathered the family of God to be one. It made salvation for all people everywhere. And now you're getting all people everywhere coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior, and with them comes their struggles and their hang-ups and their past. Comes with them all the family dynamics and stuff that goes with it, all the, the cultural stuff that goes with it. You've got two groups of people who are hostile toward one another. Now they're unified in one body. Now they're together in one body. This is who Paul's writing to. This is who he's encouraging. Hey, don't forget, live in a way that's worthy of the manner that you've been called. Don't forget, hey, this is the way you do that. So see where, where, where humility comes in, see where patience comes in, see where gentleness comes in. Because you've got a group of people that are together now as one that used not to be one who couldn't stand each other. And now they're together as one. And so we're, we're enjoined not only to forbear one another's faults, but also each other's differences. Even if there's no wrongdoing in that. Even if there's no wrongdoing that's involved in that. We're together, we forbear, we go at it together. No, no matter what, committed to one another, no matter the differences. No matter if you like this or if you like that. If it's not wrong and it doesn't dishonor God. No, no matter what your preferences are. We're to be joined Making allowance for that. Why? Because of the love that we have tasted and seen and know of, which is in Christ. So there's no doubt that there, there, there remain differences between these two groups. There's just no way that you just put those two together and just expect them just to get along and everything to be great and glorious right up front. And, 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 and it's, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be work. It's like in today's church, right? As we get all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of places, all kinds of likes, all kinds of preferences, all kinds of wants, as, as we all come together under the banner of Christ as one body, one family, one people, with the driving force being the glory of God, the love of Christ, we are the family of God and we bear or carry the weight of one another. It just reminds me of what we read months ago. In the book of Acts, they had all things in common. Church, our commonality is that of Jesus. 
The reason why we gather, I don't care what kind of music you like, I don't care what kind of uh, lighting you want, I don't care what color carpet we should have. No, that's, that's, that stuff doesn't even matter. What matters is, is the driving force, Jesus. He's our commonality. He's the glue that holds us. He's the reason why we gather here because of what he's done for us, what he's given us. This is what Christian community looks like. This is what we're fighting for. This is what we want. This is what we long for. To to, to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. To live out and be in a manner that God's called us to live that out, to be true to that. To show patience. To show kindness. To love and to care for. And and then look at what he says here in 3 as we kind of start to, to, to wind down. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, this verse doesn't tell us to accomplish unity. Why? Because unity's already been accomplished. The thing that unifies us is that of Jesus. Jesus is our unification. But but we're to make every effort to keep that unity. And see, that'll be the fight that we fight until he comes back. That'll be the fight that we fight until we take our last breath. That will be the fight. It's to stay unified as the body of Christ. To, To be for him, his glory, his great name, to be about him, his grandeur, his majesty. This is the battle that we will fight to, to stay unified under the banner of Christ. As, as the world presses in on us, as times get uh, more difficult and more dark, and, and they'll, they'll press upon us things that we should believe, and that old book that we look at is outdated, and it's this, and it's that. And, and, and as all this pressure comes, will we cave or will we stay unified under the reality of who Christ is and what he's told us? what he's given us, what he's commanded to us. And so this, this is not easy. This is not easy. It, it requires diligence. It requires work. But again, I want to take us back to what we looked at at the beginning. Who's the one at work in us? The Spirit. God himself is at work in us. He is the one that produces. He is the one that does. And when we live out and walk in a manner worthy of our calling, live in a way that glorifies him and shows us Lord who he is, we'll be unified. We will be unified, and we will live this out, maintaining the unity in the Spirit and the bond of peace. And so we need to remember, as the church, more specifically here at NLBF, that we're on the same team. Like the jersey you put on is the exact same jersey that I put on, that of Jesus. The jersey, when you suit yourself up to go into battle every day, to live out Christ every day, you know, we're on the same team, fighting for the same things, trying to live for the same things trying to score the same ways, uh, trying to be victorious in the same ways. We're on, the, we're on the same team. We're not enemies. You're not my enemy. I'm not your enemy. Despite what the enemy would say or despite what uh, the world would say, we're, we're not enemies. I, I don't fight. You don't fight. Not against flesh and blood is what the scriptures teach. So there is not one person out there that is your enemy. Not one. No, I, don't, I don't care how wrong you've been. I don't care how mean they've been to you. I don't care what they've said about you. I don't care what, what they've done to you. And hear me, this is a hard, this is a hard lesson to learn. But, but I just got to take us back to what Scripture says is that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight. We don't need to battle, you and me. One, you would probably win and whoop me if we got like in a little, I'm a lover, not a fighter. But I ain't got nothing against you. Now the, now, the one that can, that can manipulate, the one that can lie to, the one that can, that can cause us to kind of get off on little things and cause us to chase little things, uh, that can cause us to try to revert back to the flesh in us, now, that's the one I can't stand. And, and, and yes, we do have an enemy who can't stand us and wants to destroy us and, and has no desire at all for us to follow and obey and love God with everything in us. 
that's who we're against. The principalities of, 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 the, of the world. That's what we're fighting against. Not each other. Not flesh and blood. But against him. And so we need to be for each other. We need to care for each other. We need to give the benefit of the doubt. We need to be committed relationally first and foremost with Jesus because as we're committed and relationally walking with him, living that out with him, then we can do it with each other. I mean, then I can remember, man, I'm, I'm not fighting you. Like, you're not, I don't have anything against you. I don't have anything against you. I mean, we're, we're, we're on the same team. No. But, but what I do see is something better in you. What I do see is, is what you're capable of, of what God can do in you. That's what I want to fight for. That's what I want to give space for. That's how I want to live my life. I want to be so connected. That's why I love like days like yesterday. Man, man, I love days like yesterday. When we get together and we just kind of get to live out some things and we get to do some things together and even get like in the, in the hard stuff. Like, I mean, we're, we're, well, it was kind of hard until the Bobcats there, and now it's, but it's still kind of hard because I didn't get to drive it. But I, anyways, I'll work through that. But man, to hear the conversations that are happening, man, man, man to hear the, the things that are going on, the, the chatter back and forth, between other believers, some just goofy, fun stuff, and then some like, man, uh, some like some just deeper spiritual type stuff, man, just to, to be a part of that and to hear, man, that's good. I mean, the family got together outside of the walls of just being here like this on a day like today, and we did some stuff. I mean, that, that's why we're big on small group and community. Man, we want you living it out in your community. We want you living it out in your groups. We want your groups to go do things. We want your groups to serve the world. We want your groups to go to dinner together. We want your groups to get, uh, get together at your house in your community. We want, we want groups to do things like that and to live it out more than just on a, a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or, a, or even a Tuesday night in a home. And we want you to get out there. We want the world to see us live this out. For us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. For us to be, to be real and authentic and to live out Jesus in the world. For us to show patience, for us to show kindness, for us to show those things that we just looked at a few minutes ago, for us to live those out, to be committed to each other in such a way. I mean, that's how we live and that's how we be. So as the band comes back up, I mean, consider what Paul implies here with this kind of a command. Consider for a moment, why would he command this? He would command this because it's a struggle. He would command this because it's going to be a battle. He would command this because it's going to be difficult to do. Because it's, there's times when it's not being done here in, in the church in Ephesus. So he's going to give a command, and he's going to put that out there and imply it because there's going to be times that he's seen and he knows of and he's aware of that it's probably not going, it's not going the way it should be. And so the loving thing to do is rem, remind the church of that. So we may at times find ourselves irritated by brothers or sisters, grieved by them, that, that unity will come only at the cost of painful conversations or humbling confessions or extended conflict resolution. But church, hear me, daily, daily patience. Oh, church, daily, daily bearing, daily maintaining is worth it. It is so worth it. This is everyday life of God's glorious church. And it's going to be times where it's going to wear us out, wear us down, even the most hopeful among us. We've got to keep our eyes on the cross. We've got to be reminded of, of scriptures like this. We're to fight for unity. Man, man we're, to, we're, to, we're, we're, to, we're to battle with everything in us and to love one another, to care for one another. Man, man, my heart and my longing is for us to be a church that honors God and that this world sees, man, there's something different about those people. And not just for the sake of being different. And for the sake of us to truly live it out. And to truly, I, I don't want you just to love me because the scripture says so. 
I, mean, I, w- I want you to love me and care for me. Why? Because Christ does. And you see, you see value in that. Man, man, I, the same thing for me. Like, I want to love you and care for you, not just because I'm the pastor and I'm supposed to do that. And not just because I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to do that. No, but because, because God's created you and made you in His image. And there's deep value in you. And man, what you could be for the kingdom. Man, what you could do and accomplish for His glory and for His great name. And I know the thought in that, even me saying that, you mean you're talking about to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you, whoever's saying that in your head. Yes, you. And do you know what God can do in you and through you and with you? Do you know where he's going to take you tomorrow that I'm not going to go? Do you know what he's, where, where he's going to uh, put you in positions and places and do things where you get to live this out and to be this? Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're just vitally as important in this place and to the family of God as anybody else is. Anybody else. You are. And man, I want, I want us to do this well. I want us to, 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 to battle well, to fight for this well, to live this out, being patient, bearing daily, maintaining, fighting for. Because it's worth it. I believe with everything in me, it's worth it. It, it is so worth it. We are family. We are his family. We're to fight with everything in us to create that and maintain that community that resembles that of Jesus. The church, yeah, we, we've got our problems. We've got our hang-ups. We've got our struggles. But I, I believe that we've got the ability because of the one in us, the one working and doing in us, to overcome that and far outshine those struggles, those battles, those difficulties. So whatever the hang-up may be, man, I, just, I want to encourage you this morning, man, join. Join in. Go fully in. Go fully in. Don't, don't just hang around the, the fringe. Don't just kind of just chill out back over there. And, I mean, yeah, chill, check us out for a little bit. I, I'm cool with that. I'm good with that. You should. That, that is smart and that is wisdom. I mean, I, I want to encourage you to get in. Like, like yesterday, man, when I got here yesterday and I got to see over 50-something people, one being fed and sitting around the table and just talking and chatting and catching up and hearing stories. And then we got to go out there, and I was going to say we got to sweat, but it was really kind of cold at first, and so there wasn't a lot of sweating going on. More kind of like just a necessity to stay alive and to stay heated and to move and do. But man, to get to do that together and hear and see and grow closer together and to get to see some of those people who I thought maybe were kind of like friends, like they kind of been checking out and been here for a while. But all I got to say is if you're going to pick up, if you're going to pitch for it and you're going to sling some mulch, you just took it to the next level. You just took it to the next level. You've just said, man, I want to I go deeper. I want to go further. Man, I want to do something. I want to give my life away. And I want to encourage you to keep pressing into that. Let's go further. Man, because there, there are opportunities, there are things that, that you can do around here for the glory of God Man, 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 for people to see and know and experience God in new ways that we've never done before. To care for, to love, to be the hands and feet of Jesus here in the community, everywhere. And so whatever your hang-up is, man, I, I'm, I'm begging you. Go in. Go, go all in. Go all in. Because what I know is this, is that we need more people here to aggravate and encourage us. Because that's what it looks like to do life together for the glory of God, is it not? To aggravate and encourage because it's in the aggravation that God usually works and does something in our heart and me. I know whenever I'm aggravated by somebody, it's usually because there's something there that God's wanting me to get my attention by. That's usually something in me that's a struggle. And he so graciously allows people to be in my life to kind of remind me and show me. Show me that. I mean, we, we want you. We want you here to do that, to live that out, to be that. To be more like him so we can draw this world to him. I mean, church is his idea. Church is a beautiful thing. And that's how he's going to accomplish and do in this world for his glory. Through his people. His people. We've got to be unified. We've got to fight for these things that we see in the scriptures this morning.
don't know what God's stirred in your heart, what he's put on your heart, but I just want to encourage you this morning. Go all in. Go all in and see what he does. If you're here this morning and you don't know him as Lord and Savior, man, I'd love to have more conversation. If Jimmy's down here, we're here. We'd love to have more conversation about what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. And if you struggle, if we can pray for whatever we can do, man, we're, we're in, we're committed. We want to see what God, what God can do. Father, we love you. We need you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. God, I pray you just work like only you can. Father, as we sing these songs, God, I just pray that you would, uh, God, that you would just, just work and do, Father, that you would draw the hearts to you, Father. If there's sin in the room, that you would, you would convict and draw, Father. If there, if there is um, uh, someone here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, oh, God, that you would awaken in their heart this reality and need for you. God, that you would just do and draw and save. Father, help us, God, live out and be. Help us do what we saw in the scriptures this morning. This command and encouragement. Father, help us to be reminded as difficult and as aggravating or as frustrating or whatever the words we want to use there to describe it as it could be, Father God, that we have you in us, propelling us and pushing us all the more forward toward it. God, I love you. I thank you. I praise you. Thank you for the church. Thank you for her. Jesus, work and do in this time. In your name we pray. Amen. If you guys would stand, if you want to come pray, if you want to go encourage somebody, if you want to go talk to somebody, whatever it is that God puts on your heart, you be obedient as he leads you in this time.